WCHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. On this 10th anniversary of the 2001 terrorist attacks on the United States, we ask the age-old question, if God is good, why does he allow such things to happen? Did the 9-11 events mark the beginning of the, quote, end times, unquote, as predicted in a number of documents, ancient and modern? Will things in general get worse, or will they get better? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 274th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Uh, I'm Paul. Uh, ben is just arriving on the, in the building here, and we'll be here uh, shortly. Anyway, uh, those are the questions we're beginning with tonight. And, of course, our subject today is uh, a highly charged one, 9-11-01. Why? So we're not talking about the international politics or even the issue of terrorism. We're talking about a question... Many people ask every day, why did God permit over 3,000 people to be killed in those attacks, Excuse me, especially when they were supposed to be carried out in his name? So feel free to call in and join our uh, discussion today. It's uh, 248-545-7685. That's 545-SOUL. If you're listening on a computer, you can email us at paul at behindtheparanormal.com. We will be monitoring uh, our email today. And uh, as Ben might say, uh, you might expect that uh, why did God allow this to happen uh, has been a common question throughout human history, but it hasn't. The fact is that most people throughout history have not been as we are. Even if they were rich and lived in great civilizations, they knew what the world, I should say they knew that the world didn't revolve around them. Nobody hid death from them, whether it was natural disaster, war, farm accident, or just tripping over a chipmunk and plummeting to one's death, uh, people knew that bad things happened to good people, as the saying goes, usually because of other people. And it didn't occur to most of them to blame God for it. There were, however, rumbles of theological discontent from time to time among the intelligentsia, like that lovable old gardener Epicurus, the often misunderstood Greek philosopher who founded, strangely enough, the Epicurean school of thought. He lived from 341 to 270 B.C. I say he's misunderstood because the ancients uh, almost always seem to be misunderstood by us arrogant moderns. Sure, modern Western thought can be traced back to, in my opinion, the poorest of ancient Greek thinking, but we don't understand even that, I don't think. We study their writings in our own languages, not theirs. We learnedly discuss their thoughts from our own pathetic little framework, not theirs. Uh, here's Ben. He's going to tell me I'm Hello. lecturing. Hello? You are lecturing. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> here's what Epicurus, actually, Epicurus, Epicurus said about God and evil. Quote, is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? Well, the atheists have jumped on this quote and considered Epicurus uh, one of their saints. Well, yeah, they sure did. 
the fact is that Epicurus was no atheist. He believed in the gods, but thought that they had better things to do than worry about human affairs. Uh, because he was cynical in theological matters, he was also cynical in human matters. Uh, Epicurus was curious about paranormal phenomena. Uh, like most modern atheists, though, uh, at least the ones I've met, Epicurus strikes me as a disappointed, even bitter, spiritual idealist. One who, if he had faith, would be a spiritual giant. I don't know if you know any atheists, Ben, but that's really struck me. I think most of them are have spiritual temperaments. So they're incredibly frustrated, and if they could find a God worthy of their love, they would be amazing. I, it depends on the person. I mean, the ones I've met are usually like, well, I have no... They're all very scientific, quote-unquote, people that are like, well, there is no evidence of God, therefore I do not believe in God, or whatever. Well, since there's, you can't prove one way or the other, then, then atheism is a faith in itself. Yeah, so basically it's like, well, believing in nothing is believing in something. Yeah, well, I don't take them really seriously. I, I, they don't strike me as very deep thinkers, frankly, actually. If they do, it's based on nothing. Anyway, uh, Epicurus's philosophy is often misunderstood, too. Many, many modern people think that he advocated hedonism, you know, wild parties and doing whatever you want, and to Hades with everybody else. But that was completely untrue. Epicurus's idea of the perfect life was sitting in his garden, having a barbecue with his closest friends. Had Epicurus witnesses witnessed the events of September 11th, 2001, however, he would have been horrified, but satisfied with the explanation that God doesn't care. He would have considered it a bitter irony, as we do, that the terrorist acts were carried out in God's name. Well, this may be a little off-topic, but people might be a little confused about how guys like Epicurus could talk about God and gods in one breath. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. A lot of Westerners might have a problem with that. Well, we are talking about what kind of God there really is, so it is on topic, I guess. Uh, very briefly, you will, will recall our two shows uh, this year. We had a little series on What is Heaven, April 25th and June 11th were the shows, two different stations, but... Uh, we got into the overwhelming evidence that our remote ancestors actually believed in one God. And then something happened to gradually get them to believe in many gods. Even though it surprised everybody, because people just assumed that people were polytheists in the beginning, and gradually kind of worked their way toward one God. Uh, even though Greek, Roman, and other ancient societies were polytheistic, worshipping many gods, uh, among intellectuals like Epicurus, there seems to have persisted that prehistoric background memory of one mysterious and unknowable cosmic deity who presided over all the gods from the background. This whole idea of the council of the gods is even in the Bible. Uh, whether he or she or it was present or absent from human affairs wasn't the point. So anyway... Well, as modern, modern uh, civilization develops, people usually saw death on the small, on the small scale. Well, that's right. The amount of and the kind of mortality we see around us, I think, seems to have a lot to do with our perception of God. It's not the sight of death alone that can disillusion us. Disillusion us. It's the kind of death we see. If we live in the 16th century and grow up seeing a dead sheep killed by a wolf or pigs slaughtered for our own food, we say, well, all right, that's just nature's way. Uh, if we see our mother, father, or sibling, uh, or even a friend die of disease or a chance injury, it's a terrible shock, but we usually are constructed so that we get over it. Uh, we might even see that death 
uh, is mercy. Yeah, if somebody's like really old or sick or something. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's right. But but on a battlefield, surrounded by blood and body parts of your comrades, with smells and terror that defy description, that's when many people start to question God, and it's a perfectly legitimate question. Over the last 500, 600 years, modern civilization developed. As the population grew, especially in the cities, it was the less educated people who saw death the most. They saw the worst of the plagues and the worst of the poverty and many unnecessary deaths. But these people tended not to question God. They didn't dare. Western society in particular went to great lengths to condition the poor to be satisfied with their places to honor their quote-unquote betters, and to do what they were told to do in church, look for their reward in the afterlife. Starting in the late 18th century in Europe, there was a series of revolutions because people couldn't take this anymore. The problem with most of these revolutions was that they were made up of uneducated people, led by people who were so educated that all of them, or most of them, had never done anything uh, except get their ideas out of books. They knew little or nothing about human nature. I'm thinking of Karl Marx especially, when they did take over, sometimes after killing lots of people in the upper classes or even the growing middle classes, they created an even bigger disaster because nobody knew how to run anything. Very often the food production and distribution systems, the standards of trade, and later, later on the railroads, waterworks, electrical systems, broke down because nobody knew how to keep them operating, and tens of thousands of people starved. So against this backdrop, the modern world in which we were born was born. By the 20th century, uh, society had become more or less uh, you know, stable and found its footing. Vast numbers of people of all classes were educated and even cultured. There were thriving modern economies and a growing middle class into which most of us were born. And then came World War I, which could be considered the turning point in our history, if you will. Some of the weapons and their effects were so horrible, like poison gas, that they were against international that they are against international law to this day. Now that was when God really started to get the blame. The people who saw the worst of the war were poor or middle class, but well educated by the standards of the past. When you're well educated and used to the relatively safe and orderly life that modern society provides us, any kind of social disruption can be a shock. Well, look at us when we lose electricity for a few days. Yeah, as we just did during this darn storm. And thank you all, by the way, for for your expressions of sympathy and kindness. We really appreciated that because we were we've been off the air for two weeks. Uh, one was planned, but before that, it was a Hurricane Irene uh, kind of got the best of us here in New England. So, but anyway, uh, you can imagine the horror and disillusion that something like World War One brought on these people, or World War in general, before we knew enough to number them. Horror on such a scale could only point to God. And that's when the great dissolution of the 20th century took root. World War II made it all worse, to say the least. Uh, for Americans, Watergate and Vietnam deepened the dissolution with institutions as a, and a way of life we had all been taught were divinely inspired, if not wholly in themselves. So 9-11 was just another in the long line of horrors that made us ask the question, Why? So sometimes these events and experiences, even war, have strengthened rather than weakened people's faith in God. Uh, the question wasn't, why did God allow it? The question was, men obviously caused it, so where do we turn but to God so it won't happen again? But there was something about 9-11 that made people question God and religion in deeper ways. That's probably because the terrorist attacks were carried out by a radical religious group 
in God's name. So let's leave it there. Go to our emails. We have questions. Uh, people were interested in this subject of the show tonight. People have questions that will carry us through the rest of this discussion without me yakking uh, any further. Uh, in the course of uh, answering them, you'll hear our explanations for the whole problem, I, I hope. So, Ben, but if you would... But real quick, before we do that, I hmm. just wanted to make a comment, if this doesn't spark a whole giant discussion in and of itself. I had to take a course in high school called Social Justice, and it didn't make any sense at all. Most of the stuff, most of the books we had to read were really, really depressing. And we had to read one book called uh, "Why" or called "Suffering" or whatever like that. And we had to watch a, a video about 9/11 and people's reactions to 9/11, and it went into graphic detail about it. And it was extremely depressing. And this is supposed to be like, oh yeah, God loves you and all that stuff. But yet we're watching this, and it was to the to the point where people were like, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. And this is supposed to be a religion class. And it was, people were like, I don't know. They're like, I don't believe in God anymore. And I was just like watching this. And I, was, I didn't understand why we were watching it. Like mm. I, it just, the, the questions the book asked made no sense. They were, the first chapter was called the question. The second was called the answer. <laughs> and what then, was, what was the answer? Uh, well, the question was, why does God let us suffer? The answer was, we don't know. We don't know. That was the answer that this guy came up with. Well, he might find this broadcast educational if he keeps wherever the author is, if he keeps listening. Yes, Father Kemp or something. He's a priest? Yes. A Catholic priest, yes. All right. Okay. Yeah, okay, you know, come to think, I remember you coming home and talking about that. And how much I hated reading that book. Yeah. Well, anyway, here's one from Peggy Ray in Atlanta, Georgia. All right, so Peggy writes... Hi, Paul and Ben. On several shows, I've heard your explanations of God allowing evil in the world and that he couldn't stop it even if he wanted to. It makes sense even if it isn't a satisfying explanation. Um, is that why? Is that what you really believe? Well, no, it's not. And I, I mean, it's, it's a possibility I have suggested. I'm not saying I believe it. Uh, the multi, as, well, as you might guess, the multiverse a- approach changes everything, uh, as does the idea that when we get out of our own way and realize that we're not the center of the world and that the universe is not constructed for us and that we do these things to ourselves very largely, even disease and death, so to speak, then that kind of changes the perspective. And and I'm I'm not dodging the question. I'm going to get into it as we go, and maybe you'll see uh, in a logical progression what the point is that I'm trying to make here. But in the meantime, uh, we've got less than a minute here, and we are coming up on a break. And I will answer uh, the specific uh, well, question here in a minute. From so we, we do have to wrap. So. We do have to wrap. Yeah, well, we're behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. Be right back. CBS Radio's The New Sky. NewSkyRadio.com. This is the least... It's not time to make a change Just relax, take it easy You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to know Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old but I'm happy 
was once like you are now And I know that it's not easy to be calm When you found something going on But take your time, think a lot Why think of everything you've got For you will still be here tomorrow But your dreams may not How can I try to explain When I do, he turns away again It's always been the same Same old story From the moment I could talk I was ordered to listen now There's a way And I know That I have to go away I know I have to go Not time to make a change Just sit down Take it slowly You're still young That's your fault There's so much you have to go through Find a girl Settle down If you want You can marry Look at me I am old But I'm happy Keeping all the things I knew inside It's hard, but it's harder to ignore it If they were right, I'd agree But it's them, they know, not me Now there's a way, and I know That I have to go away I know, I have to go Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. And we're back with our sobering topic this evening. No guest, but a sobering topic. Of course, the 9-11 attacks and why does God permit such things? And we're looking at a letter from Peggy from Georgia here and... Uh, Peggy makes a very interesting uh, use of words here. It makes sense even if it uh, isn't a satisfying explanation, uh, God allowing evil in the world or not being able to stop it. Uh, I, I hear you there, uh, Peggy, because it, it's very satisfying and comforting to think that we have an all-powerful creator protecting us and looking out for us. And, and I believe that, that we do. But I believe also that we participate in that, and we're going to get into that in, in some of the other emails here. So I hear what you're saying, and but and it is not what I really believe. Again, uh, but I think it is um, uh, something I've suggested, and we'll, we'll, we'll get more into explanations as we as we go through these others. <clears throat> oh, this is Imperfect God, and it's from uh, Barry J in London, Ontario. Okay, so Barry writes. I've been fascinated whenever you talk about a good God letting bad things happen, and I look forward to your show on 9-11. Well, here it is. Uh, While I have to say that your idea of God being all good but not all powerful and learning from his creation makes complete sense, but I find it rather disheartening and even a little chilling. As you sometimes ask your guests, what say you? 
I, I think it's kind of funny when you say what say you because it sounds like you're getting into a duel with them. It's what say you. Sometimes we do. Oh, there's a PS thing right at the bottom there. I didn't read oh, that. Oh, uh, PS, I think I have learned more about reality from your shows than I ever did in school. People should receive college credits for listening to you too. Well, that's very kind of you, but I don't know about the college credits. Yeah, I don't think they. Ben, what, what, what do you think? What do you think about this? Um, in a way, he kind of echoes uh, Peggy's idea that it's kind of a little bit disheartening to think of. Uh, a well-intentioned and good God not really being able to do much about this stuff. Well, I don't really... I, in my personal opinion, I don't find it very disheartening at all. If anything, I find it strengthening because it's like... Well, think of it this way. If God's made in our image and likeness... God has made no, in our image and likeness... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm exhausted. No. If we're made in God's image and likeness, that would mean that... Because we are all, deep down, we are all good in some form or another... But we have our imperfections. I mean, it's not like nothing bad could ever happen in the world because then we wouldn't learn anything. Like they're putting like rubber rubber bottoms in on like and like playgrounds and stuff. So if kids fall, they don't learn. Oh well, I have to rub some dirt on it and I won't do that again. No, they'll just keep mm-hmm. making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over again. So we're all like a bunch of kids that have rubber bottoms on the bottoms of our playpens, and so if we try to do something stupid and then we don't get hurt, we just keep doing it again and again and again. But then there comes up the question of natural disasters. Why does he let this happen and stuff? And it's like, well, maybe it's not his fault. We can't blame everything on something else because we have this really, really interesting tendency in the West to blame everything on someone else. Mm-hmm. All we do is play the blame game, look at politics, look at something as simple as your own job. Someone does something wrong, oh, it wasn't me who did it, it was that guy. Right. It, we have to learn to take responsibility on ourselves. Or maybe to say, well, that's something that happens in nature. It's just something that happens. It's not like anything... Oh, God's trying to kill us. He hates us all. Blah blah blah. That's true. It's not about us as individuals. No. Well, just let me make a few comments based on these two emails. Uh, as I said, this, as we're saying, is not God as being imperfect or at least uh, not as powerful as we think is not necessarily what I believe. It's one possibility. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily believe in it either myself. Yeah. Well, a. God is good, but created us to help him learn, and he's learning along with us. That's essentially the thing that we were just talking about. The other possibility, B, there are several official theological explanations, but the most prominent is something like this. If we lived in a world where there was no choice but good, we would effectively be robots and would not be able to love God of our own free wills, which is what real love is and what he wants. Of course, that gets us in the Western mind at least bogged down in questions of who created evil. Is there a devil who's actually a necessary part of the mix? Is he uh, equally powerful as God? And all this business that you go nuts just thinking about. Then there's my personal theory. I don't know if Ben agrees with this or not. Maybe he does, because we tend to work rather closely together. And uh, maybe somebody else has expressed this idea, but if so, I haven't seen it. I'd like to know if anybody else has said this. God is all-powerful and all-good, and really has created a perfect world, or more accurately, a perfect community of worlds. The multiverse, I bet you knew I was going to bring that up, 
whose elegant interaction includes a perfect balance of all possible realities. Okay. A perfect balance of all possible realities. I'll say that again. The problem is that we live in a world where most of us, as Ben said, even the poor can be pampered, self-centered crybabies, whiners, who want everything done for us, and whose problems are always somebody else's fault, just as Ben said. Mm. We see ourselves as the center of the universe and feel entitled to have everything our own way. When it doesn't go that way, then God must be unjust. But this is a false view of reality, and having a false view of reality means having a false view of ourselves. Everybody from Jesus to Gautama the Buddha will tell you that such a false view results only in pain and sorrow. When we see the big picture, we see that we are not the center of the universe because there is no universe. There is the multiverse, and the multiverse is about all of us together and all kinds of beings we don't even know anything about. All of us together with all other things in ultimate balance. With no death and life and an abundance we cannot bring. I should say with no death and with life and an abundance we can't begin to grasp. With multiverse awareness, as we call it, you begin to see why things work in reality. Why things are as they are and why things happened the way they did. In my opinion, only then can you start to see yourself, never mind God. And in that view... Something even as heinous as the 9-11 attacks or the world wars take the blame right off God and put it squarely onto ourselves. We create together our world. And as Ben said, God lets us do that. Because what do you do as parents? Are you creating miserable little whiners by doing everything for them and preventing them ever from making mistakes? Big mistake, that. I like to think you were brought up with a chance to make your mistakes, you know, fall on your head now and then and realize, gee, I shouldn't put my hand on that hot stove or I shouldn't do that. And obviously, you don't right. uh, open up possibilities for them to do that, but you let them make mistakes. Well, more accurately, I stuck my finger in the, light, in the later socket of mom's car once. Yeah, and you were out there eating mushrooms one day when you were four years old and had to go to the hospital. I thought it was, it was the most incredible thing. <laughs> but I learned. You learned. That's the point. Never seen you out there eating mushrooms again. Anyway... Uh, because of our false and narrow view, we did it, all of it, to ourselves, because we disrupt the balance, because of our misunderstanding and all-around ignorance and selfishness and disruption of the unity, we create evil. And we have all the help we want from those parasites we're always talking about on the show, pushing buttons and feeding off the result. That, in a nutshell, is what I believe. Any comments, Ben? Uh, I, I did have something, but I don't remember what it was. Well, you know, any time. I mean, because oh, that's, yeah. that's the subject of the show. Yeah, the so. whole subject of, um, like, Satan and all that. Yeah, it comes up a lot, yeah. I just, uh, I, I'm not, we actually talked about this in Social Justice. <laughs> like the Same place I showed you that movie. Yes, yes it is. And how... Like, if there is a personified evil or whatever, like, something... But what, what I learned from studying Taoism is that everything needs a balance. There has to be a balance to everything. And if the world is out of balance, then horrible, horrible things happen. Yeah. So there needs to be something 
something against the good. For every good person, there's probably at, at least one or two, like, not evil, but people who make bad decisions in that place. Yeah, well, there are mistakes and there are catastrophes. Yeah. Too. So, I mean, but again, uh, and then look at the reason. For the, 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 the bitter irony of the 9-11 attacks was was carried out by a bunch of lunatics who were thought they were acting in God's name. And as a result, you had this backlash against religion slash God. Christopher Hitchens in his book, God is Not Great, and um, um, our oh, yeah. publicist tried to get him to debate me, and it never came to anything. But, I mean, who, who says religion has anything to do with God? Sure. I mean, look at some of these things. I mean, and, and supposedly people say, well, religion is supposed to be the way to God, the path to God. Well, I, I hope so, but I mean, not, not in the case of some of these things. Religion is not perfect because man is not perfect. Well, that's true. And I'm not blaming the Muslims here necessarily. I've been in, in, in uh, Christian churches and Jewish synagogues and other things that are the most evil places I've ever walked into. Mm. Uh, there's just the opposite. Wonderful places. Pictures of heaven. You know, and uh, so, I mean, don't mix up religion with God. And a lot of people, it can be a tool. It works for many people. But certainly we had an example here of something really gone haywire. I mean, God and religion are not the same thing. So when people, and people like Hitchens argue, well, you eliminate religion, and then you won't have any more problems, and you won't have any more problems in the world, but we he implies... other that, reasons to kill people. It's just... People will find other reasons to do so. It's that, like, it, look, look, at, look at England. They banned all weapons. People cannot, regular citizens cannot own weapons. So they, they pick up baseball bats instead, or cricket they, bats, excuse me. They have, they have the highest amount of stabbings in the world. <laughs> they do. It's so, true. No matter what you do, if you take away one factor, people will find a way around it, and they will go. They will still be people. Yeah. On the other hand, look at the Japanese after that horrible earthquake and what they went through. They pulled together and and showed <sighs> the world an amazing lesson in how it's done, mm. how the unity works, and uh, so just I'm not even going to say anymore. But just think about all that. So let's move on to another email here, and this is from Michelle in Phoenix. Okay, so Michelle writes to us, Paul and Ben, I'm hoping you can answer this on your next show. I think many people searching for answers to what's the meaning of it all are trying to find it, are trying to find out if there will ever be an end to suffering. I like your multiverse theories, but do you think that there will ever be relief from suffering? How does that fit into your multiverse theories? I ask these questions because I think most people seek out religion or other spiritual beliefs hoping to find some type of peace knowing someday suffering will end. Thanks for the great shows. I find them interesting, and they make me question my own beliefs. Well, I don't know if that's... <laughs> I don't want to make <laughs> confuse people, but... Yeah, well, maybe um, what people think and maybe improve their beliefs. But that's not the point. The point of the email here is... Uh, and she mentioned suffering. What does the Buddha say about suffering? Um, suffering comes from, uh, what was it? It comes from us. Our passions. It comes from our passions. Yeah. Our, as, as, as I put it earlier, as Ben put it, you know, your, our false vision of ourselves and our false vision of reality. Uh, just to extrapolate again, I think the same answer can be applied, uh, here to uh, Michelle's question. We create our own world. And I think here's where the big mistake takes place. Because we grew up, uh, from with everybody from Madison Avenue to our, our grammar school teachers telling us it's all about me, you know, even the government, you know, it, it's all about you. It's okay to be like 
on welfare and not working if you don't need to. Well, I don't think they say that specifically, but you know, the, the point is that, that, that they're, the idea that it's okay not to excel, not to use your talents, not, not to be the best you can be in, in something, not to serve others is not correct. And that has gotten into our psyche, I think, in our country and in our world, in the modern world anyway, in the so-called developed world, and it's created problems. It has put, taken people away from each other, divided them from each other, killed the unity, and put people in, on islands all by themselves where it's all about me. That is the reason we are suffering. For a personal example of my own, for a long period of time, I was extremely depressed, blah, 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 all that crap. Then one day, I just sort of said, why am I depressed? I thought about it, and there was really no reason to, because I realized it's not all about me. It is all about us. And at that point, I just stopped caring. Not, not, that's not, the, not a good way of putting it, but I just stopped caring about myself and thought more of other people. And for that, that is how I became how I am today. And look at you now. Yeah. It's- so in, in a sense, it's about not trying to keep yourself away from people as much as I have agoraphobia it's actually I can't think of a way to put it you you no, I know what you mean you don't have agoraphobia you leave the house all the time yeah I know. You, no but I mean it's just when the, the multiverse is full of paradoxes I think a mistake that is made by a lot of uh, the, the best uh, well-meaning psychics and mediums and people of this kind of advisors is you know find yourself discover yourself create your own world well that 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 that's the problem. We have to do that together. And when you have, and I, I still say the key to that is is multiverse. One is being aware of of yourself across all these many worlds. You are a big person. You're a huge personality, a huge being. And you'll find that the 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 farther you journey into the multiverse, the bigger it gets, and the bigger you get. And finally, you become everyone. God, everyone else. That makes it sound too personal. It's everyone is each other, including yourself. Yeah, the way I always put it, maybe to make it more sensible, we, each of us is a unique expression of all of us. And all of us together are a unique expression of each of us. I think that that pretty much says it. And suffering will end when we reachieve the unity. Uh, Suffering also will end or, or will lessen when we perceive it for what it is. A personal misunderstanding. Now, yeah, if, if you know you, you get hit by a, a car or something and you're in pain lying in the road, obviously that, that's suffering. Uh, when people are in poverty because they have, um, you know, people give millions to their country uh, from overseas and their leaders steal it all before it gets to the people or it's stolen by local warlords and the people suffer, that's suffering. If you're stuck at the top of a burning World Trade Center tower after a plane has hit it, that is truly suffering. As your family suffers after that that, that happens, after they have, have uh, lost your physical presence in this reality. All these things are suffering. But think of those things if the unity were in play. You wouldn't have African leaders stealing all the money before it gets to the people. You wouldn't have people flying planes into the towers. A loss of a loved one 
it become a new discovery of just getting to know them. We'll get into that in another show because we've done that ourselves. So it's a matter of perception. If you ask the wrong questions, you can't get the right answer. And the wrong question is, why do I suffer? And the right question is perhaps, what is suffering? And the answer, we cause it. Trippy. All right. What? Oh, okay. Okay. We have, we're coming up on another break now. And uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Benino on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Take CBS Radio The Sky with you wherever you go. Be sure to download the Radio.com app today from your mobile marketplace. And when you really want to know more, 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 be sure to visit NewSkyRadio.com. Get in deep with exclusive articles and Sky News. Get your weekly horoscope and the inside scoop on host events. Radio.com and NewSkyRadio.com. Stay connected. Hi, I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist and host of Star Talk Radio. Join me every week where I have celebrity guests, experts, and comedic co-hosts, where our task is to bring the universe down to Earth. Discover your spirit. Listen to Spirit Guide Radio, where spiritual guides nourish your soul every weekday. Heidi Hollis, The Outlander, The Zodiac Girls with Solaris, Laura, and Kira. Laura Lee's Spirit Salon. Ask Dr. Doug with Dr. Doug Lira. Life by Number with Celeste and Keeping Life Real with Dr. Susan J. Stone. It's Spiritually Speaking Radio, Spirit Guide Radio, at 11 p.m. Eastern on New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons, No Boundaries. New Sky Radio, powered by CBS. Enlighten, empower, enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New Horizons, No Boundaries. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. NewSkyRadio.com. Believe. Yes, welcome back. And we're discussing the sobering topic of what happened 10 years ago today. Uh, the 9-11 attacks, of course. And we're going through some emails here asking some interesting questions. This one is from Chuck in Michigan. Okay, so Chuck writes, Your shows about aliens and how they could be parasites and vice versa have really been interesting. Uh, Is it possible that our world is so screwed up, not because God is not perfect, but because aliens mess with our genetics and our society early on? Okay, well, well, that's a good question. It introduces a whole new level into the discussion. And we are, of course, talking about why God would permit something as, as, as horrible as the attacks and other things that have gone on uh, in the world and sometimes in our own lives. Yeah. Now, Chuck introduces, the, uh, as I say, a new level here about aliens maybe messing with our genetics. I think it's uh, <clears throat> probably the, 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 uh, the uh, most open secret in our prehistory that somebody or something uh, weird appeared on the scene maybe half a million years ago, depending on the documents you're reading, and something strange happened. The three big documents that I have studied and have written about in my last book, Turning Home, God, Ghost, and Human Destiny, was were, I should say, the Akar Saga epics, uh, the 
the, of the Sumerians, the uh, Atrahasis of the Akkadians, and the Book of Genesis from our ubiquitous Bible. And if you read these things in their original languages without the divine imagery, you get some sort of agricultural colony being founded by some pretty strange guys who were doing experiments on, among other things, the local population. Right in the Karsag epics particularly, there is a really clear reference to DNA manipulation, referring to saliva, blood, prime DNA sources being taken from these one of these visitors and uh, being applied to the native human or pre-human population to make them workers on this this uh, agricultural facility and I mean that that's what it says and I mean um, so there we are I, I don't know so whether it's it's made up and I don't know how these guys could make up something that sophisticated but that there does seem to be some you know, some evidence some considerable evidence that there were uh, um, somebody messing around with our genetics and of course uh, Chuck's implication here is that maybe things are so messed up because of this and uh, maybe you could say well, maybe there's alien visitation and abduction if you want to, if you believe in that sort of thing because they feel guilty or are trying to fix what they did or whatever maybe uh, have motives that we couldn't possibly fathom but maybe that there is suffering and problems in the world and all this dishevelment and disasters and catastrophes that we usually bring upon ourselves because our genetics are messed up and we can't get it together. That's a possibility, Chuck. I have sometimes wondered, Ben might comment on this too, yeah. whether we really are indigenous to this planet. We, The human race, as it currently is constituted, doesn't really seem to fit on this planet, in this ecosystem. We're always trying to make up for problems we've created, or think we've created, or, and they're trying to be more green or whatever, which is fabulous. But I wonder if we fit here at all. I mean, what do you think? Ben? I personally, I don't know. I don't really, I don't want to say I don't have an opinion, but I'd say that, I don't know, maybe we are native to this place. If if we're not, then that makes a lot of sense because we certainly do a lot of things that screw everything up. Well, there are a couple of factors here. Now, being not being indigenous to the planet would mean that our immediate ancestors came from somewhere else. Uh, or that <coughs> whoever did this to us genetically, if such a scenario occurred, uh, th th we have to remember that they, if their DNA could intermix with ours, they couldn't have been all that different. That's why my theory is that they weren't from another planet, that they were, they were from some other part of the multiverse, you know, probably the same or very similar species to ourselves, might have been what we would, t we would refer to as time travelers from what to, what to the, those people would have been in the future. I mean, anything, anybody's guess is there, but they could not have been all that different if, if their DNA was able to interact with ours. One thing that did come up when the human genome was finally mapped uh, several years ago, there were 223 genes that shouldn't be there that if the Darwinian concept of evolution as we understand it is correct, where did they come from? Uh, the best scientists could do, could do was some kind of, what do they call it, a horizontal transfer from bacteria? What the heck is that? I have no idea what I don't know. Means. So anyway, uh, Chuck has opened up a big question here. Uh, yeah, it's possible that, that some of the, the messed up situations may come from uh, alien genetics or something like if that. If that's true, then that's really weird. Yeah, well, that adds another 
problem with the mix here. Okay, this one is from Manny in L.A. I don't know if that's Los Angeles or Louisiana. Well, I guess it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> um, is it possible that maybe the polytheists are right and there are many gods influencing different aspects of human existence? Ancient people believed that some gods were good to us and others were hostile and others didn't care. This makes sense, makes more sense to me than trying to fit one all-powerful god into a scenario where he really doesn't make any sense. Okay. Well, uh, Manny is sort of probably a good old ancient uh, philosopher here believing in the gods. <laughs> um, I, I, there is room for all sorts of beliefs here. I think that certainly um, people are devoted to saints. You know, you, you really light a fire on, 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 under Christians when you say that uh, the saints or, or the uh, Virgin Mary or the Theotokos, as she was known to the ancient church, the, she who was the bearer of God, mother of God, um, are considered uh, almost godlike themselves until you think of what was that... Um, we, we talked about it on one show. Uh, one of the ancient fathers of the church said, God became man that man might become God. And the, the, the ultimate premise of my own book, the last book anyway, uh, God Goes to Human Destiny, was that we are called to become gods. We are called to come together and build a world together, not separately, not separate worlds, but this is this whole unity thing. Not to give away the premise of the book, but that that's what I'm talking about. Now, you don't have to read the book. No, they do have to read the book, <laughs> especially if they take any of my classes. Anyway, uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I can see the point here Manny's making. And I suppose it's possible. Uh, people's religions are based on how they experience God and on how they respond to what they experience. And, you know, one of the things I cited in the book, too, is, is the British Museum in London. If you go into the... Uh, there are two galleries where there are gods displayed, and some of them are these, um, what, you know, the, the more inspiring ones. We know about Isis and Osiris and some of the great uh, Apollo and, and some of the, the, the great ones worshipped by the ancient civilizations from whom we are descended. Then you go into the next room, and there are these awful, nasty, ugly little deities, supposedly, or demons, I would call them, um, worshipped by tribes that... that performed human sacrifice and did all this stuff that was really terrible. And I immediately thought, aha, parasites. We have examples in history of parasites influencing whole communities, taking over. And I think that this is part of why we became polytheists, I mean, in, in, in the worst sense of the term. So there are all sorts of things that have been interpreted as gods, forces of nature and this sort of thing. And if uh, you want to consider uh, that the... Uh, the forces that cause the thunder and lightning or, or the atmosphere to, uh, to balance itself out and, and to circulate uh, is uh, certainly an act of a certain aspect of God, fine. But those who studied the, uh, well, they called it a descent from monotheism to polytheism in the ancient world, particularly the Sumerian world, uh, believed that, and I'm thinking particularly of Dr. Uh, Stephen Langdon uh, from the 1930s who first proposed this theory, that they became worshippers of many gods because they began to assign different jobs, as it were, to different parts of God, and it ended up ruining the whole concept. Anyway, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm open to that, Manny, and thank you for, for your note. Uh, anyway, we're coming down to another break on CBS News Sky Radio, newskyradio.com, Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Hino. And we will be right back to talk about, uh, continue our discussion of the 9-11 disaster. Why did it happen? Thank you. CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Well, welcome back, and we're talking about the 9-11 attacks and why God permits such things. And I think probably have time for one more email on this subject. This is from uh, Carrie in Seattle. Okay, so Carrie writes to us. Hi, Paul and Ben. To me, one of the strangest things about 9-11 is the lack of reports of paranormal phenomena at or around Ground Zero or from 
any of the thousands of families that lost loved ones. Do you have any information on that? Well, that's a good question, and I think the point is accurate. I mean, have, have you, uh, I haven't heard much I've, about this, probably yeah. because it's considered insensitive to talk about it. Yeah. Have you heard anything? I've heard nothing. All right. It would seem unlikely uh, that there would be no paranormal, I should say, multiversal repercussions. It would be something like this. It echoes out across the multiverse, and people somewhere or somewhere else who have nothing to do with the situation could uh, could be picking up on it, could hear it, see it, whatever. And I remember, for example, one terrible plane crash outside New Haven, Connecticut, some years ago, uh, back in the 70s. As a matter of fact, uh, I was working with the Warrens, and uh, <clears throat> the Warrens investigated and Lorraine, and Lorraine Warren, the, the probably the grandfather and grandmother of modern, quote-unquote, ghost hunting. Uh, and they were saying people were reporting... Uh, who lived adjacent to the field where the plane crashed, that p- people would report uh, footsteps coming out to their attic and knocking on uh, the attic, onto their porches and knocking on their doors, this sort of thing. Uh, and, of course, these things, if people talk about it, they can escalate in people's minds. But uh, there's no doubt that these things occur. There also uh, is a certain belief among those in the airplane industry, particularly passenger carriers, that you really should not take parts from crashed planes where a lot of people have died and put them in other planes because weird things start to happen. That's been documented on a number of occasions. So, well, I, I remember that our publicist uh, when was would say that there, she f- uh, actually fired a client back around that time because she was, quote, milking the 9-11 attacks. This is a medium. And she just thought it was not ethical and just wouldn't have any more, any more to do with this person and uh, cut her loose. So uh, I think that um, there must be things happening. There are things, I'm sure, that are personal to the families of the victims, uh, as uh, always happens. And because our whole planet is, is haunted, as it were, Carrie, uh, in the sense that we pass through all, we're aware of all these other worlds and they, they impinge upon us here and there. And that... Um, that's about all there is uh, to that. And I think that it, very often a lot of people are not talking about them because it would seem uh, inappropriate uh, or at least talking about them in a way that would invite uh, you know, curiosity and speculation of an inappropriate kind. So maybe out of respect for what happened and the people to whom it happened, uh, we're not hearing much about this. But I really haven't, haven't heard too much, uh, too much about it. Uh, okay, we uh, are... Uh, yeah, we're, 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 coming. we're coming down to the wire. Uh, okay, we better... So. To talk about this, okay. So, uh, Ben, any uh, any final thoughts on this issue of God? I think you've expressed yourself very well this evening, as you always do. And uh, well, I think this is um, simpler than people think. Well, yeah, no, it's just really simple. I don't really want. Yeah. To well, anyway, we would uh, certainly refer people to our website behindtheparanormal.com. And uh, certainly uh, there's a little ribbon now going across there mentioning that Ben and I starting on November 5th. If you do happen to live in the uh, south southeastern New England vicinity. Ben and I will be teaching a course on exploring the paranormal. And, of course, with us, you can be sure that's going to be in a way you've never explored it before. Uh, in the um, Oh, we got four minutes. Okay. Uh, for the Providence Learning Connection. And there are links to that from the site. And you'll be able to uh, see the course outline and this sort of thing. And uh, I don't know how much they're charging, but it will involve, and a lot of people are excited about this, field trips to two of uh, my most famous cases, uh, one of them being the In the Dark case from the book Footsteps in the Attic, and another one uh, we are hoping to arrange uh, for the Village of Voices case, probably the, the, really, the one that really affected me 
uh, among the top cases in my early days. Uh, that We're still arranging that, but it's, it's probably going to be that as well. So in any case, uh, check it out, uh, Providence Learning Connection, behindtheparanormal.com. You'll find all the links there. And uh, if you do live in the area, we hope to see you on November 5th for five, five weeks. Uh, we'll be skipping Thanksgiving weekend, but there will be uh, five weeks of, of classes with Ben and me on that. So uh, many thanks to our producer, Will Kosnick, and we'll see you next Sunday, September 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, right here on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. Uh, when you're supposed to be anyway, yes. But welcome <laughs> back, <laughs> sorry, animal communicator Karen Anderson. Now, let me just comment. Karen is a renowned animal communicator. We've had a lot of fun on our shows before. I think what we're going to do is, uh, I hope this doesn't disappoint anyone. We're going to limit or eliminate the readings that she has done for your pets and things on this, unless she specifically asks to do something. Because we want to talk to her about how this works, what's actually going on, and how pets communicate with each other. Yeah. Uh, the shows have been only being an hour. We were filled before with uh, lots of um, uh, people calling in and pictures, which was great, but we didn't really get to the bottom of it. Yeah, you know? we, we would like to go a little bit more, a little bit more in depth to how she does what yeah. she does. Yeah, and we'll certainly give you information about how you can contact her uh, on your own and have uh, all the readings that uh, that you want. Even if you have over 50 million pets. And don't forget, Monday e- evening edition in uh, the Boston Providence area on WON, 1240 AM, and com, And you can always get free podcasts of all our shows. We have over 300 at this point, so you can just go nuts with it. <laughs> and along with show schedules and guest information at www.behindtheparanormal.com. And we're certainly complimented. People, they tell us, you know, that they're working their way through all 300-plus shows. And, I mean, I, 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 we're really complimented that people would do that, but they, they seem to enjoy what, uh, what they're hearing. Uh, so anyway, uh, again, to check out BehindTheParanormal.com, you can buy my books, including the books I referred to tonight. Uh, they are also available on Amazon Kindle and uh, also on, on uh, Barnes & Noble Nook as well. And uh, we'll uh, just uh, ask you to, to uh, check those out as well. You can contact us, Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com or Ben at BehindTheParanormal.com, but we do prefer that you use the form to ask questions, as many of the people did tonight uh, whose emails we read. On BehindTheParanormal.com, there was a link that says, Ask a Question, and just uh, just check that out, and you can get some information to us. Uh, there is a phone number as well, uh, but we ask you not to use that unless you are uh, Steven Spielberg calling and ask us to make a movie or something like that. Just for, for routine questions, we do ask you that you use the email uh, devices that we have on the site because we are literally snowed under all oh, yeah. the time. With emails, uh, of course. After that May 16th broadcast on Coast to Coast, we got uh, close to 3,700 emails that we're still trying to get through. Uh, never mind answer on the air. So anyway, check that out. So in the meantime, we'll leave you with a rather interesting quote from American author Annie Dillard. This is a, a conversation between an Inuit, uh, some we used to be called Eskimos, and an Inuit and a priest. Inuit. If I did not know about God and sin, would I go to hell? Priest? No, not if you did not know. Inuit. Then why did you tell me? Unquote. <laughs> I have a tongue-in-cheek quote there. But thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time.